welcome to True to the Bible podcast with Hunter Davis. Thanks for joining us for this special series, Women's Conference 2023 on Fellowship. This is Stillwater Bible Church's Women's Conference that they held in 2023, and they had several breakout sessions as well as a special guest speaker. We hope that you enjoy these lessons. Thanks again for joining us. Well, ladies, God has interesting ways of humbling you, so I spilled guacamole right there. I got water, and I tried to wipe it, but it got worse. So, like, you know, what you see is what you get. (laughs) Um, It truly has been an honor for me to be asked to come and share with you. Um, I, um, I, I do like sharing with women. I usually do it on a very small basis. I've never done a women's retreat before. So just to be asked. And, uh, so I'm very thankful for the committee for asking me. And it truly has been a joy. And I really enjoyed the two sessions I went to. Everything has been done first class here, and it's been very nice, yes. <laughs> well, I'm going to share about uh, the two last components to a fellowship. And now this could be, um, these four components can be part of the the, the greater church, but it can be part your small group too. Um, as, um, as some of you will be forming small groups, I, I would encourage you to use these four components um, to help you have better fellowship together. Um, Here it is. Let's pray. I'd like to start out. <laughs> Dear Father, I thank you so much for this time and thank you for each lady that came. I know that you've been speaking to their hearts. I know that you have spoken to my heart. And thank you for all those who have worked so hard to bring this retreat about. And as we go to our homes and we go to our different circles, I pray that you would use us and that you would also keep making us more beautiful brides as we await your coming, Lord Jesus. And it would be nice if it could be very soon. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you've been here with us. And and I especially thank you that you've been helping me. And so I commit this time again to you. That you would be honored by everything that is said and everything that is thought. 
And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, in the first session, um, we talked about prayer, and then we talked about how love covers a multitude of sins and how prayer brings us together, makes us dependent on each other too, or um, hopefully we'll be opening up our needs and being vulnerable with each other and then having fervent love for one another, working at that, and then how love covers a multitude of sins. It's like honey. You pour over people that it just covers the flaws. With my cake decorating, frosting covers a multitude of sins. (laughs) You just keep adding more frosting and can make your your cake look real nice. (laughs) So the the last component that 1 Peter 4.9 says that we are supposed to practice hospitality. So what is hospitality? It's the friendly and generous reception and entertainment of guests, visitors, or strangers. It is the welcoming of one another into our homes and into our lives. Every, and also, um, every example of hospitality in the Bible includes sharing food. Abraham made a meal when those three strangers came by, and Jesus was frequently asked into people's homes to eat with them. And so food is a very important part of hospitality. And who is to extend hospitality? Just those who have the gift of hospitality? Now that's easy for them because they have the spiritual gift Uh, But we're all supposed to practice hospitality. But we're also to be shown how to do it by our elders. One of the qualifications of elder is to show hospitality. Um, So if any of you are married to an elder, I encourage you, to, to be that example. And in, um, I'd like to uh, look at Romans 12, 10 to 13. It says, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. I look at this as not a suggestion, but, it, but it's an imperative that we are to practice. 
And where do we exercise hospitality again? It's in our homes. I feel very firmly, strongly about that. That I would say like going out to eat, going out for coffee, that's developing relationships, but I don't look at that as extending hospitality. Again, in Acts 2.46, they went from house to house. And when we invite someone into our homes, we invite them into our lives. We show them who we are, how we function, our style, and we can experience better intimacy with others and in a deeper way than any other location. There's always distractions, um, other places too. Um, but that idea of inviting, inviting them into your life, because your home is your life. Um, my friend Marcia and I had this, had this um, if you call it a Bible study, um, but I had a, a young gal who got her friends together, and I got together older women, and we would, us older women would teach the younger women housekeeping skills, cooking. One lady came and taught them how to make an apple pie. Um, another lady came and she knew how to organize. And so she had different ideas of how moms can organize their kids' toys, their kids' bedrooms. And um, most younger women don't know how to entertain. And we taught them how to set a table. Um, like how, how, how to have a decoration. It can be very simple, simple things. But I think that that's a lost art is entertaining people in your home. And uh, it was so much fun that, that um, I had to quit uh, because of um, having to go to Omaha. But um, it just really was so much fun standing around the aisle in this kitchen and these women talking about different things and showing us how to, how to do things. And the young moms, they were just eating it up. Also, an example of Jesus, when someone wanted to have fellowship with Jesus, they invited him into their home, um, like Zacchaeus. And it's interesting that Jesus was accused of eating with tax gatherers and sinners, not just being with them, but eating with them. And then, and then in the Garden of Eden, God invited Adam and Eve into his home on earth. He had created man and had him in this perfect place. It's like God had Adam and Eve in his living room he provided food for them and enjoyed talking with them in the evenings. And it was through food that man lost his fellowship with God. 
And it was through food that sin came into the world. But it's through food that Jesus used to, com- to commemorate that restored fellowship that we can have with him. And we call it communion. So I find it very interesting how God used food to, um, to be a part of the fellowship that he has with us and the fellowship that we can have with one another. In Revelation 3.20, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens a door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. This is not talking about trusting in Jesus for eternal life. This is a believer who Jesus is knocking on, on like the heart of my door and saying, I want to come in and eat with you. I want to have fellowship with you. So I want to open the door and I will dine with him and he with me. And when do we exercise hospitality? Anytime it presents itself. Too. In Hebrews 13.2, it talks about showing hospitality to strangers. You just never know, because who knows, it might be an angel. Uh, my mother-in-law had the gift of hospitality, and she had decided that her house was always going to be ready for company. And that she would always have something on hand to serve. I can't say my house was always ready for company. Um, But I thought that was a good example. She was always ready to extend hospitality, you know, at the last minute um, with people. But I have had to learn that if my house is not in order and I'm not perfectly put together, it's not the end of the world. Like I said, someone comes knocking the door, they come in, and I don't have my makeup on. You know, they can see me for how I am. Um, But it's how I treat my guests that makes the most impression and is the most important to them. And we should show hospitality in a purposeful way. Having people over should be a lifestyle. It can be once a week, once a month, once every two months, but it just is important. It becomes a pattern of life. When we lived up in North Dakota, there was a retired pastor's wife that started attending our church. Her name was Elfrida, and she had uh, grown up in Germany. And, uh, of course, she didn't like U.S. tea. She always had to get it from Germany, from her daughter. Uh, But she had me over for tea almost every week for two years. And she'd always have some little special goodie that would go with it and on her good china. And then we would pray for each other. We had the commonality of, you know, being pastor's wives. Um, And that was so special to me. I missed it when we moved. And, ladies, 
How often do you have your spiritual leaders over to your house? Most rarely get invited. We rarely get invited over. But they give, and they give, and they give. And we've had lots of people over to our house. But you know, it doesn't have to be a fancy meal. It can just be something very simple. But you know, if you serve something simple on China, it's fancy. It can even be soup, uh, too. But don't forget them. Why should we show hospitality? It deepens friendships. We learn so much about other people when we invite them into our homes, and they learn about us. We had all, um, all those 60 and over over to our house one evening. I haven't laughed so hard in years. We had so much fun. People telling their story. We played this game where you had to tell, you know, something about yourself. And oh my word, it was so much fun. Another reason for showing hospitality, it, it, it promotes unity. Now, most of our people are in their 30s and 40s, so we're like old enough to be almost everybody's parents there. And so we have had backyard parties where we bring these young families and they can learn to know each other. Um, I love tea parties, so I've enjoyed the fanciness, you know, of how things are set up here. But I love tea parties and... I've had many ladies over for tea. Um, the ladies get a chance to learn to know each other. Um, with, with one group of ladies I had over, there's one lady who shared how she was struggling going through a divorce. And here, another lady um, had been, she had been divorced years past, and we didn't know that. But that lady was able to share how God had helped her. And he just, those two started talking, and, and they, uh, it was very encouraging. And then another tea that I had, two of those ladies have become best friends. So you just never know what can come from it. Um, and having people over makes our guests feel special. This um, lady that helped me with uh, in teaching women like how to entertain or how to how to keep their homes, and um, she and her husband had spent some years in England, and she fell in love with tea and with the ritual of stopping everything at four o'clock in the afternoon and and having tea. And whenever she had me over, she made it fancy. She would make all these little fancy desserts and, you know, which is not my forte uh, at all. But it just made me feel valued. Um, And there's this one family in our church that they were the first ones to invite us over. And they're living, they made part of their shed into a living area because they're going to build a house 
But they had us over, and it was so special. It made us feel so valued that they wanted to have us over. And ladies, boughten cookies are just fine when you have, <laughs> have ladies uh, over. God doesn't want us to get so caught up with temporary things that we forget to focus on what really matters. You know, and one thing about getting together and eating, when you don't have anything to say, you just put food in your mouth. (laughs) The whole point is nurturing fellowship. Why does Peter tell us that we're supposed to practice hospitality without grumbling? This is my idea. He knew women. It's our natural tendency as women because our homes are a reflection of ourselves. And we can make excuses. It's extra work to clean. It's been a long week. Oh, I've got to fix a big meal. My home isn't up to par. It costs too much or I don't have anything to serve. But you notice all these excuses center around me not around those who I could invite. I want us to turn to Luke 10. If you could. Verse 28, I mean 38. Luke 10, verse 38 to 42. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, are you worried and troubled about, oh, you are worried and troubled about many things, but only one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. This passage always bothered me because you have to have food. Somebody has to fix the food. And so... Why was what Mary doing so much better than, than Martha? And uh, it just never, you know, it just never sat right with me. Charles Ryrie has a very interesting note in his study Bible. Jesus says only a few things are necessary. Martha was worried about so many things. I got I got to get the roast beef in. I got to cook the potatoes. I got to make the salad. I I got to set the table. Um, I got to get the drinks. I got to worry about the dessert. All these different things. Oh, yeah, and I need a jello salad. And um, maybe I should have two vegetables. Oh, I I need to get bread. That's a lot of things. And he says that Jesus is saying, 
Just serve one or two things. It's no biggie because the most important thing is I'm here. And I, wanna, I want you to take the time to sit and listen to me. So you don't have to have a fancy big meal. You know, you could um, just serve one thing of whatever they, they ate. Now, I mentioned soup. To me, that's a super easy thing. Plus, my husband is the one who makes the soup. Um, but, you know, just do soup and bread. And that is simple. And after a meal, I will put the food away, but I leave the dishes there because I don't want to use up my time cleaning in the kitchen. We were at someone's home, and the wife was so busy cleaning up afterwards, and we only had so much time there, I never had a chance to visit with her. One time we had Haddon Robinson over, and um, he's a, I don't know how many of you know who he is, uh, but he was rated as one of the top 100 preachers in the 20th century by Newsweek magazine. He taught people how to preach, and he was a master at it. Well, he was, he was at our church, and this was when my husband was a youth pastor, and um, so we wanted to have him over because he had taught at Dallas Seminary, and that's where my husband went. And I had soup and bread over. And, you know, he was so grateful because all these different homes he had been to, they had all fixed these big meals. And he just wanted something simple. You can have people over just for dessert. After supper, you don't have to fix a meal. Or how about just a popcorn party? Can I have everybody bring, you know, a different kind of popcorn? Um, And let people bring something if they offer. It's just important to get together and share, share together. So, ladies, let's be hospitable. Another friend of mine said, you know, if you haven't had time to dust, have them over for the evening and use candles. And they won't see the dust. (laughs) Um, The last component to full fellowship is using our spiritual gifts. Um, In uh, 1 Peter 4.10, I'll read that again. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And it's my understanding that we have one gift um, because it's in singular form. And I think that that's important because it just shows how much we need each one of us to exercise a spiritual gift. What is a spiritual gift? It is a God-given special ability to accomplish a given task for the sake of the body of Christ. And this is a gift that we receive at the point of trusting Christ for eternal life. Chuck Swindoll has written a a really good book, uh, which can be used uh, like as a study on... um, 
on the spiritual gifts. And, of course, he, he writes things in such an understandable way. There's another good book by Charles Stanley um, that's on spiritual gifts also. And how does it work? I'd like to read 1 Corinthians 12. Just look at there. Oops, I got Romans here. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. And then later on, I like at verse 17, well, verse 16 says, And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would, the, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? God wants to use all the body parts in his body. And if all my body parts function, then I can do all the things that my body is meant to do. But let's say that I, I take away a foot. I would have a hard time walking. And actually, I know what that's like because I broke my foot and had to, had, had to wear this kind of cast thing for four months. Um, and uh, it's a lot harder to function that way than what I thought. And I also found out that crutches are a lot harder to use than what appears uh, to be. Um, but if we take away my mouth, well, then I can't eat. Now, is it possible for me to survive if I don't have a foot? Is it possible for me to survive if I don't have a mouth? It is. But I can't function fully the way that I, that I could. I need each one of my body parts to, to um, function properly. And this is how it works in the body of Christ. The body cannot function the way God wants it to function if every person does not exercise their spiritual gift. And, um, and it's for the benefit of those around you, too. And it's in order to experience that unity and fellowship. Why is it so important to use our gifts? Because we're partnering together with others, bringing about fellowship. And um, some people will say, well, I don't, need, I don't need other people. I get what I need directly from God. Well, that's not always true because God uses his people to minister to others. He uses people to show his love to other, to other people. We can read our Bibles, but we're missing out on so much if we don't um, let the body of Christ minister to us and we to, to them. 
God uses his body to meet our needs. Uh, You know that um, in America now, most people attend church only 1.8 times a month. That's hardly, that's like really once a month. And um, think of the Sundays they're missing out on being blessed and by blessing others. And, you know, your, your Bible teachers, your worship leaders, they put a lot of work into preparing. And it's so encouraging to them to have you there. It does make a difference. Even if it's a big church, it does make a difference. Because you can also bless those around you by being there. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. As life gets harder, we need each other all the more. And notice it says, Stimulate one another to love and good deeds. How can my gift benefit someone else? Like I said, it meets the needs of of fellow believers. It might benefit a group or it might benefit just one person. And I like to look at... Look at everybody using spiritual gifts as an orchestra. You have all these different instruments, and if they're all on tune, in tune, and they're all playing, it just creates beautiful music. Um, and they partner together to make this beautiful music, and th- and that's how it is with the body of Christ. <clears throat> There are financial needs that need to be met. People need words of encouragement. Some people need a lot of mercy shown to them. We need teaching from God's word. We need someone who has strong faith that God can do things. And we need people with discernment to keep us in the truth. My mother has the gift of faith. And she is such a big prayer warrior because she believes that God can do things. And God has answered so many of her prayers, and she's an encouragement to those around her to believe that God can do things. Um, When we use our spiritual gift, it's not a chore because the Holy Spirit enables us uh, to to use our gift when someone needs us, needs our gift. Just ask the Holy Spirit to to help you to do what he wants you to do. You might be struggling with what your gift is. Ladies, don't stress about it. Other people can see it way before you can probably. But don't stress about it. Just do what comes naturally. Like, let's say, the gift of hospitality. Those people just, they love having people over. They love cooking. You know, it's not, um, it's not a chore to them. If you have the gift of teaching, you love preparing. 
and you love teaching. Um, But God wants each one of you here to do your part making beautiful music. So there is prayer. Fervently loving one another, hospitality, being hospitable, and using your spiritual gift. And if those four components are part of your group, are happening, then you will have the kind of fellowship that God intended you to have and the kind of fellowship that he wants me to have with other believers. And again, I thank you so much for the privilege of coming and sharing with you. It's been enjoyable talking to the different ladies here, hearing some of your stories. And my husband said this morning, you know, I like Oklahoma. Well, that's all for True to the Bible podcast this time. We hope that you enjoyed this lesson. If you did, or if you want to listen to some other lessons on True to the Bible podcast, make sure that you subscribe or like this podcast. If you have any questions about anything that you heard or you're interested in how you can be saved, make sure you contact us at hunter.davis at stillwaterbible.org. Again, thanks for joining us for this lesson, and we hope to hear from you soon.